0: Hi, friend, and welcome to the U Turn podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and the best selling author of the book U Turn Get Unstuck, Discover Your Direction, Design Your Dream Career. I wrote this U Turn book and I created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are. And that's why every single week I bring a guest on with tools to help you upgrade your confidence, both in your work life and in your love life. And I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. Soul CBD is the purest, cleanest CBD company that I've used. And at this point, I won't go anywhere else for CBD. Their products are all organically farmed, gluten-free, and have absolutely zero THC in them. So it's just clean CBD to help you calm your stress or your anxiety so that you can sleep well and be the best you possible. So if you don't have a sweet tooth like I do, then perhaps instead of their CBD gummies, I highly recommend checking out their CBD oil droppers that still happen to taste really good. The highest dose is 1500 milligrams. the lightest dose is 500 milligrams, and their flavors include watermelon mint, orange, peppermint, and my personal favorite, the lemon lime. So before I became obsessed with the CBD gummies, I was taking these droppers at night per the suggestion of my doctor who told me that they are totally safe and such a great way for me to get better, deeper sleep so that I can wake up replenished and tackle the day. Co-founder of Soul CBD Mike Lee discovered this product as a healing remedy for him after being a professional boxer enduring all sorts of injuries during his career in boxing matches all around the world and it's helped him heal so much with his autoimmune illness. It's really this product that was key to bringing his body back into a better homeostasis and I know it's doing the same for so many people, this little oil dropper is perfect to throw into your purse or if you're feeling extra, you can drop a little splash of it into your coffee or your cocktail to calm yourself down for the day. As you know, our friends at soul CBD have given us a discount code for 15% off your order. I can't suggest them enough. Head on over to ashleystall.com soul to access our special page with them. That's a s h l e y s t a h l dot com slash s o u l soul to access our page and don't forget to use the code U Turn at checkout for fifteen percent off. That's y o u t u r n.
1: Now let's get into this week's episode. Every single day feels like five million things to do. But the reality is, is when we look at our to-do list, there's probably about two things on there, maybe three things that will significantly move the needle in our business, in our relationships, in our life. And those two or three things will have a ripple effect on our ability to be productive with everything else. And those two or three things are the things that if we get to the end of the day and we know we got those two or three things done, we feel the most proud of ourselves. We actually look at our day and we feel really good versus looking at our day being like, well, I don't feel like I got a lot done or there's so much more to do for tomorrow. It's recognizing what those two or three things are that we need to do that are going to make us feel like we're not only being the most productive, but we're living a life that we are gosh dang proud of.
2: What's going on, U-turn friends? I've got another little treat for you this week in the work category, and it's Kelsey Murphy. She's a business and she's a life coach for Fortune 500 companies like Facebook, Twitter, Google, and she's also the founder of the Whiskey and Work community and podcast. I absolutely love her show. We're about to record an episode of me on there too. And Today, I wanted to ask her about work-life balance. It's something that she seems to have pretty down, and I know with a lot of us, the average worker working in more than five additional hours per week. Um, you know, it, it, the COVID times are, have just been so interesting for our productivity. And I wanted to support you with some of her tips to create that balance. So, Kelsey, thank you so much for being
1: on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Ashley. I love, love, love what you're doing. I love your community. So I'm I'm honored to be here.
2: Yeah, no, please. And I'm curious what your experience was of establishing work-life balance, because I think sometimes these little journeys take a calibration. And and I'm wondering, how did you get to this place where you feel like you
1: have this sense of balance? Oh, I I love that you use the word calibration because... Work life balance is such a tricky word. And uh, I feel like especially as women, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have this really beautiful balance. Like I'm envisioning this like very Zen room with like a perfect schedule, <laughs> a beautifully organized like cabinet. Um, and if if I'm being really honest, that is not what work-life balance look like looks like for me at all. Um Sometimes it's a clean house. (laughs) Sometimes um, it is a beautifully organized cabinet. But more often than not, it's actually um, quite the opposite for me. Um, And I had to really take a step back in my life and figure out what does like work-life balance mean to me? What does it look like to me? And I learned that or I calibrated it by going through a lot of highs and lows. Um, My background was being the advertising director for Nintendo and Elizabeth Arden and all these wonderful fancy pants brands. And um, and I had this great, great job that on paper was so fantastic. And at the end of the day, I was completely burnt out. And um, I'm also, though, a hard worker. So I thought, you know, this is just kind of what it is. You put in your time in the beginning. And then I had this vision of like, I'm going to just like, you know, churn and burn in the beginning. And then I'm going to find my husband and then I'm going to settle down and I'm going to stop working and I'm going to snuggle up with my little kiddos and then that's going to be life. It's going to be beautiful. And um, as I started to do this work, um, even though my nine to five that I was in probably was, you know, not going to be my end all be all. I knew this wasn't a sustainable lifestyle. There was a part of me that recognized I really do love contributing. I do. I do love being part of a team. I do love having something for myself and um, being really proud of myself. And I often wondered, like, how is that going to fit into this world of me also wanting to be a stay at home mom and like chilling with my kids and being at every field trip with them? And um, like, Like, how do those, how do you reconcile those two words, worlds? And I spent a lot of time really thinking about what that life would look like. And it was really hard to envision because at that moment, I didn't have a lot of mentors or people in my life that were showing up like that. They would tell me you could have one or the other, right? They would say you could totally have this amazing career where you're working with all these great brands and you're flying all over the world. But like, that's what you're gonna be focusing on. Like, you're not gonna be home for your kids all the time. And you're gonna to have to make sacrifice with your family. And that just like broke my heart. And then on the flip side, people that were stay at home moms were like, yeah, like it's great. I love being home with my family. It's the most important thing in the world. But man, I have nothing for myself. Or man, I feel like I've lost myself. And like, that's okay. There will be a time where kids go back to school and then I can go do something on my own. And I was like, well, that feels heartbreaking too. <laughs> like, what is what is this world where we can create something in the middle. And so I kind of went on a journey to seek those people out and to find them. And as I started to find them, I started to learn more and more about myself and um, look at my life and say, "This man, the, the ideal work-life balance to me doesn't necessarily look so clean and so perfect. But when I look at work-life balance, it looks like waking up in the morning and not feeling rushed and giggling with my kid and having pure laughter. And it looks like then going and working with an amazing client, but then having some time to go show up and hang out at my kid's school and not feeling pressured. And then it, it means leaving and going and having a fun, lunch where I'm laughing and having a cocktail with my husband in the middle of the day. And I started to kind of like envision and dream up this life that I wanted to live. And then I was like, Okay, what businesses and things can I build around that? But it really took me kind of searching out, like, how are people doing this? What are what's the conventional wisdom? What are people saying out there that feels uncomfortable for me? And why does it feel uncomfortable for me? So I kind of went down that journey. And so when I look at my like, work-life balance, I'm kind of doing air quotes right now, my work-life balance life, um, it's a lot less uh, compartmentalized and perfect and like this perfect balance of a scale. It's a lot more of this bigger vision of like, what are these small moments in my day that if happen make me feel like I am nailing it as a mom, I am nailing it as a wife, like I am nailing it and, and following my passion. And often I think what we figure out is there are these small, small, small moments, it is laughing with our kid in the morning instead of feeling stressed, right? It is, it is telling our husband a dirty joke after 10 years of marriage, you know, and still feeling like you got it, you know, like it's these small moments, it's having a client get off the phone in the last five minutes and say, that call was life changing, like, thank you. You know, like it's these small moments. And when you check those small moments off, you realize like, oh, my gosh, like this is it. This is the life that's making me feel very, very good and very proud of that, quote unquote, balance I've created.
2: Mm, You know, there's so many areas that you touched on as you were sharing that I myself kind of struggle with. and. It's hard, I think, as women. Sometimes we think it's an it's in this or that versus of this and that. And there's so much social discourse around the concept of having it all and being it all and doing it all. I think even for me, I just started working out and seeing a trainer five days a week, and it's funny because with the working out, I've been getting hungrier. And with getting hungrier, I've gained like five pounds or 10 pounds. I don't even know what it is during COVID. And now I'm kind of working on my diet. And it's interesting. I feel like there's like a lot of energy that I expel with every new thing that I take on. I'm curious for people who are trying to create that balance and that fulfillment, like how do you kind of tune into yourself and figure out which things are worth? Taking on because usually kind of like with me, like the, the fitness kind of came with me eating more and then it kind of moved into my diet. It's like life has this causal relationship where we try something and then it requires perhaps something else. Um, and I know a lot of people get stuck on picking that wrong thing for them.
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. I love that. And I love that you just closed it with people get stuck on picking the wrong thing. Right. I like I I remember when I was trying to to leave my job or I was trying to figure out what was next, you know, like what's next for me. And I instead of just like making some decisions and and going down a path of action, I really stayed in this this world of limbo. And I think the world of limbo is the worst for us emotionally, especially. Right. Like because as I stayed in this world, I was so scared that I was going to make a wrong decision. Like I was so scared that I was going to like make the the wrong decision for my career or for my business or whatever it was going to be. And then I was going to be stranded on this island of like, I made a big mistake and I can never get off or go back. You know, it was like terrifying. And so I didn't do anything. So I stayed because I was like, this isn't that bad. You know, my job is okay. Like on paper, it's, it's pretty good. Um, and, and as I sat there in that place of inaction, of just staying in something that felt off, like, and I think we do this in relationships. I think we do this in, in w- where we're living sometimes. I think we do this in a lot of circumstances. Something feels off and we try to ignore that, right? We try to shove it to the side instead of just like recognizing it and saying like, huh, something feels off. I need to explore that. I need to either decide that it feels off for this reason and I'm gonna deprioritize it in my life because I'm staying in this job to like make money or it's gonna provide an opportunity Or we're going to acknowledge it and say, I got to prioritize this. This has felt off for long enough. If I don't do something about this, it is going to continue to eat away at my confidence. And that's what I feel like the world of limbo and and inaction really does to us. It eats away at our confidence and it makes us feel bad about ourselves. It makes us question our own ability to make decisions. It Mm -hmm. makes, you know, like that is, that's for me the worst. And I, and it's not Not just with jobs, you know, to be honest, like, like you were saying, it's like working out and all those kinds of things too. Like my husband and I are chatting about, you know, buying a house right now. And mm. we're like avoiding it, right? We're like, uh, ah, like what's going on with the economy? And like, is this the best time? Like the market doesn't seem great, but it was kind of on our list of things that we were gonna do this year. And um, it's funny because we kind of keep pushing it to the side. We're just like, mom, we'll have a conversation next week. And what I've noticed is that I stepped into that world of limbo. Like instead of making a conscious decision of like, I'm going to deprioritize this decision because um, I would rather focus on these other other things. And it's okay, because I'll revisit this in 30 days, right? I'm gonna put a little little note, a little date night on my calendar, we will revisit this in 30 days. And that is okay to deprioritize it, because we're going to focus on these other things, right? Like that's a conscious decision of action, versus just being like, Oh, I know we should make a decision on it, but I'm scared because I'm not really sure what the right decision is. So I let it sit there in limbo. And what it's been doing to me recently, it's just been eating away at me. It's just like, well, Kelsey, like, you're just not confident enough to make a big decision like that. You don't have enough information. You're too lazy and overwhelmed to figure out all the information that you need to. Ah, this feels big and chaotic. And it's so interesting how that has become my internal dialogue around this topic, where instead it would take me 30 minutes to take a step back, you know, do a tiny bit of research and say, it's okay for me to deprioritize this if this isn't the right time for me to make this decision, but I will come back to it at this date. Or, no, I need to put a date night on the calendar and my husband and I need to sit down and make a decision about this or start to talk about decisions about it. Um. So I feel like for us, like deciding to consciously take action on something, even if that's de- deprioritizing something, is so important. Otherwise, we start to lose our way because we lose our confidence, you know, in ourselves. We lose lose this confidence in our ability to make decisions when really we are all great decision makers. We just Kind of get in a bad habit of shoving things to the side, right? Of pushing them to the side because they feel scary or we don't know the answer right away. And we're never going to know the answer until we just step up to the plate and say, I'm just going to explore it. Like, I'm not going to step up to the plate and jump off the cliff. I'm not going to quit my job tomorrow, right? I'm not going to like sign the lease. I'm not going to go into escrow tomorrow in a house, but I am going to raise my hand and say, This is an important thing in my life. It is. I, it, it is an important thing where I live where I'm raising my kiddos, like where I am working like the environment that we're in the town that we're in the community we're involved with yes those are important things in my life and it doesn't mean I need to buy a house tomorrow but I do need to acknowledge it's important to me and be brave enough to have a have a 20-minute conversation about it you know so I think part of it is just like raising your hand and saying this is important to me and I'm in limbo this is important to me and I haven't made any decisions around it because I'm scared of what's going to show up I'm scared of what I'm not gonna to know. And like raising your hand and saying, I'm just going to put time on the calendar not to find the answer, but to prioritize this, not to know all the next steps, but to step into a place of action. So this stops eating away at like my personal confidence.
2: Mm, and I know also kind of like one thing you touched on was like this idea of like confidence and making our decisions. And I find that a lot of people are so intuitive. They already know if some things yes or no and where they get lost or stuck is that they want to override it or kind of veto what they know or talk themselves or kind of negotiate with something that's non-negotiable for them, something that's a no for them. It's like our mind or whether it's social pressure that drives it or our job or this like very primal need to survive. It seems to kind of um, fight with our intuition or reject our intuition. So I find that there's so many people who have such a knowing of what they want to do or what feels good for them or what feels like a yes. And, and they just talk themselves in and out of it. They don't want to trust themselves. What would you say people can do to kind of start creating that trust just as like a small little step?
1: Yes. I love that. And I feel like you're talking to me because that is my exact (laughs) personality. Uh, I, I definitely naturally operate from my head. Like it's just my go-to place, you know, like it's so hard for me to naturally operate from my intuition or my heart. So I have to kind of check myself at the door, you know, when I'm operating straight from my head and, um, tap back into how things feel for me. Um, So when I was in the corporate world, I had gotten into a really bad habit of shoving uh, like these little tugs, you know, those little taps, your little intuition, your, you know, your, your internal um, system kind of raising its hands. I feel like it's like your internal system is raising its hands saying, this is important to me, or um, this doesn't feel exactly right. And because either we're scared, we don't know the answer, or it just feels like, man, this doesn't feel important. I like, I don't know what's happening, but uh, I got excited about someone talking about that Italian class. Like that seems unimportant and irrelevant. I'm just gonna shove that to the side and focus on my job because I got some like project management goals I gotta figure out. You know, like we have these little taps or these little tugs and I will call them their little curiosities. Um and I talk a lot about how when people are trying to find their passion, they should Let go of finding their passion because there's a lot of pressure in that and it feels like this end-all be-all thing like your number one passion Um, And it's really at the end of the day. You don't really find your passion, right? You create it and you develop it over time But the first thing that you can do when trying to find your passion is listen to your curiosities Like what are those weird curiosities that you have? What is calling inside your heart that says hey i'm curious about this or that sounds interesting? And for some people, it might be a job. It might literally be, I don't know why, but... Being a high school guidance counselor sounds fascinating. I know I'm an accountant, like, and I know this is weird, but something about that sounds fascinating to me. If, if that's a tap, that is a curiosity, that is a tug, and your job is just to follow that. And I will tell people just follow it for 15 minutes today, like, break it down. You're not going to go become a high school guidance counselor, but follow that tap for 15 minutes. Just Google it, learn a little bit about it, maybe reach out to someone that you know is a guidance counselor. Set up a 15 minute little virtual coffee date, whatever it is, spend a little bit of time acknowledging those tugs of curiosity. You know, whether it feels professional, even if it feels silly, even if it feels like I remember in when I was in San Francisco, I was feeling like I don't know who I am anymore. Like, I have no hobbies. Like, I have no time for hobbies. Like, I have a crazy demanding job. Like, I needed to do my job. I needed to provide financially. There was no financial wiggle room for me at all. I needed to bring in a significant amount of income. Like, there were all these things that made me feel like I had to focus and continue to move forward. And as I did that, I shoved these tiny, small things that were calling out to me to the side. I shoved them to the side as if they were insignificant or unimportant, when truly those are the things that are the fabric of who we are, right? Those are the fabric of our being, saying, I am curious about random Italian classes. And that's the creative side of me, right? That's the side that wants to marry that intellectual learning of a new language with the love and the romance and the creativity of speaking it at an Italian restaurant to the connection of like being able to connect with a different culture. There are all these pieces of it that were important to me, but I shoved it aside for years. And then all of a sudden, I finally felt so lost in who I was and felt so kind of insignificant and boring that I was like, what is one thing that feels really cool that would make you feel cool that you've always thought was so cool? And I was like, I don't know, speaking Italian, but that sounds weird, but I'm going to do it. And I spent 15 minutes looking for an Italian class, 15 minutes the next day, like going to it to just check it out. And then I just signed up for it. And little things like that will all of a sudden, start to show us a myriad of other paths. Like that introduced me to so many humans that introduced that opened up my eyes to different men to date, different different relationships that people had, different ways that I wanted to celebrate. Um, you know, the San Francisco culture, the Italian culture, like different restaurants that I wanted to support. Learning about the families and the restaurants, it opened up this entire new world simply because this teeny weird calling and tug of curiosity said hey like i want to i want to do an italian class it'd be really cool to speak italian you know and those are the things i feel like we have to acknowledge like like a small Actionable tip would be if there's a curiosity you have, like just take a deep breath and like look around the room. Like if you're curious why that bowl sitting next to you is a certain color or how they made that ceramic bowl, or you're looking at a photo and you're wondering, man, I wish I was a great photographer. Or you're, you know, you're looking at something online and you're wondering how someone started a business or how they got into an industry. Those are curiosities. Like learn to stop shoving those to the side, start jotting them down maybe in your iPhone or somewhere. More quick and then block off 15 minutes every day. 15 minutes, like no more, no more. Like, don't get aggressive. It's COVID time. We know you don't have a lot of time. But if you are consistent for 15 minutes a day, and I used to do these 30 day passion challenges, I'd, I'd tell everyone we'd all join this Facebook group together. And for 30 days, we'd all spend 15 minutes towards something we were passionate about, a new passion. I mean, I've done it for Italian, I've done it to teach myself piano, you know, I've done it to create a morning routine. But anything that sounds interesting, that is a curiosity that tugs at you, just block off 15 minutes tomorrow and explore that.
2: Mm, I love this. And it kind of, it's so interesting because we started off talking about work-life balance and now we're talking about kind of like, what are you passionate about? And it makes sense that we're deviating into this because like a lot of work-life balance is making sure you're saying yes to the right things and no to the things that aren't for you. And I love what you're saying about following those tugs. And I know before we started recording, you talked a lot about visualization. And I'm curious for anybody listening who maybe hasn't practiced visualization, like how would you approach this for them as it relates to their work-life balance and that that fulfillment that I think all of us want?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. And I love the world of visualization because um, it sounds very woo-woo to me. So I didn't do it for a really long time. As, as I said, my my intellectual head was like, this is, you should, you should plan something like you don't need to visualize um, and then I I read up on it you know and I learned all about the science behind it and uh, how almost every single successful athlete and successful entrepreneur do some sort of visualization if not every day like once a week um, at a minimum right like people are visualizing um, the ideal outcome that they want and when you do that and you start to believe it your brain will start to operate in a way where it seeks out opportunities to actually help you get to that place. So I'll break it down as to how I do it um, to make it a little bit more tangible so for me I have to have a plan clearly I, I have to have some sort of actual concrete plan um, and I'm not a big organizer I'm not like a type A person I'm actually very type B I like to sleep in the idea of hustling scares the bejesus out of me like I am like I, I like have this visceral reaction to it it's actually kind of a negative thing sometimes as an entrepreneur, like if something seems like a lot of work, like I'm instantly retreating and people are like, okay, okay, let's, let's work on that mindset, Kelsey. Like, let's not jump to like future predict that this is going to go all sideways. We can find a way to make this work within your lifestyle and schedule. Right? So when I think about visualization, I want to create a plan and that helps me stay focused, that helps me get more done. And often I notice that the reason I don't get a lot done during the day or the reason I don't get a lot done during the week is because I am inundated with the things that I think matter, but actually don't matter, right? Like I let things like uh, like the laundry or paying the bills or um, checking things off my to-do list, I let those suck up um, the majority of my hours. So then I get to the end of the day and I'm like, ah, I didn't get any further in my business. I didn't get any further in the things that I really cared about. Like, I didn't laugh with my husband. I didn't laugh with my... I didn't do anything that lit me up. Like, And Mm -hmm. it's because I had a million things to do on my to-do list. And I know a lot of people feel like that, right? They have like a million things on there. And I'm not going to say that they don't because I am with you as a mom of two little girls and trying to run my own business and trying to have this great relationship with my husband and, and my extended family. Like every single day feels like 5 million things to do. But the reality is, is when we look at our to-do list, there's probably about 2 things on there, maybe 3 things, that will significantly move the needle in our business, in our relationships, in our life. And those two or three things will have a ripple effect on our ability to be productive with everything else. And those two or three things are the things that if we get to the end of the day and we know we got those two or three things done, we feel the most proud of ourselves. We actually look at our day and we feel really good versus looking at our day being like, well, I don't feel like I got a lot done or there's so much more to do for tomorrow. It's recognizing what those two or three things are that we need to do that are going to make us feel like we're not only being the most productive, but we're living a life that we are gosh dang proud of.
0: Hey U-Turners, this episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Organifi. My absolute favorite product has got to be their chocolate and vanilla protein powder. Due to my recent diagnosis of Lyme disease, I've been super careful with what I put in my body, and I just smiled from ear to ear when my doctor read the ingredients on the back of their protein powder and gave it the thumbs up. They are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free vegan and almost no sugar at all it is just magical and a miracle that it tastes like anything let alone something this good their chocolate protein powder i love to put in with a nut milk cashew butter frozen blueberries while their vanilla is so good with peanut butter frozen strawberries and nut milk in the blender this smoothie is my absolute fix when i'm hungry anytime or when i have a sweet tooth it's just so good i mean here's the thing It's tempting to turn to that second or third cup of coffee. But the truth of the matter is that caffeine can only do so much. At some point, we need to look at the root cause of our fatigue. And it turns out that the two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and a lack of nutrition. Organifi's clean, organic superfood blends address these problems head on with adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help you balance your cortisol levels associated with stress. And they make it so much easier with one scoop of protein powder to add so many more nutrients into your diet every single day. If you'd like to grab yourself some protein powder or really any of their magical products, just head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And make sure you use the code U-Turn. Again, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout for 20% off. Now let's get back to this week's episode.
1: And so for me, the question is, how do you figure out what those two or three things are? And that's where visualization comes in. So I do this big three-year manifesto. So I visualize what my life is going to be like in three years if it was the absolute freaking dream. Like in three years... What would the day look like? I I take myself from whatever day it is. So say we are someday in October or November, whenever you're listening to this and you fast forward three years. And I like three years because I think that, I mean, by four years, you can earn an entire new degree, right? But one year for me, if I think about myself in one year, I'm like, how much can I really get done in one year? Like I can't significantly change my life. Even though we probably can, one year feels a little tight for me. But three years gives me this, like it feels close enough where I can like really imagine what three years would be like. But it's also far enough to recognize that I could do a significant amount of pivoting in my life. So I take myself to three years from today and I start in the morning and I think, okay, what's the ideal morning look like? And I close my eyes and I just visualize it. I think, okay, I'm waking up in the morning and maybe it's 7am and I roll over and I giggle with my husband and I snuggle up with him for five extra minutes. And then I you know, I tiptoe down the stairs and we've got this really great house that's like minimalist with a bunch of green, you know, greenery everywhere. And, um, you know, I've got my slippers on and I pour myself a cup of my favorite coffee coffee from Phil's. And, uh, and then I have like 15 minutes to myself to really think about the day and do a gratitude practice. And then I hear my daughter wake up and I put on some fun music and I go wake her up with a little dance party. Yada, 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 right? So it's like I'm visualizing what this life looks like. And then I'm visualizing the clients I'm working with, or I'm visualizing what work looks like for me. And I go through this entire day, I'm visualizing how much money is in my bank account. Like what feels really exciting to me for three years. And once I have this entire visualization, you know, I'm thinking about what are people saying about me? You know, that Kelsey is generous. Kelsey is kind. Kelsey goes out of her way. You know, like I start thinking about those things and I'm like, okay, well, maybe in the morning, then the first thing I do is I send off an email that's um, selfless, that's helping connect somebody, or it's helping answer a question for somebody, or it's an unexpected email to one of my subscribers to say, Hey, just want to say hi. Um, something that's really selfless, right? So I'm building this beautiful day. And when I get to the end of the day, I, I sit down and I breathe that day and I close my eyes and I, and I really envision like, okay, so this is the ideal life. This is the dream. And then I look at my to-do list for the week. And I say, how many things on my to-do list Are actually going to get me to that life. And I noticed that my like list for Monday, which is like, make sure you send those baby shower gift cards out and make sure you do those Amazon returns and make sure you do all all the things that we have to do are not going to get me any closer to that life. So before I do those Amazon returns, before I send out the baby shower cards, you know, I slip in there a 20 minute, a little like 20 minute iCal that's like, make sure you laugh with your little girl. Like, put it on the calendar if that's what the dream life looks like, or make sure you want more clients. Put in on there, like, make sure you send out three emails to like pitch some new clients. Like, I start to build my to do list and what I'm doing every single day that week around prioritizing things that are going to get me closer to this visualization. So, and often, you know, I, I think whenever anybody goes through this process, we often realize the things that we want, the things that matter the most, can probably be shifted and affected this week. Like, we can make a significant impact this week on creating this dream life by laughing with our kids you know and and small little tweaks in our schedule. and that momentum that you will feel from being able to do that in one week will shift the way you believe in yourself and, and your ability to make momentum in other bigger areas of your life. And so I start with a big visualization and then I, I chunk that down and I allow that visualization to create my to-do list every single week for me.
2: I love that you're so grounded in reality and making sure that you're getting that ROI on your time. And I know that that's such a, um, I don't know, it's like a sneaky to-do list or such a sneaky little spiral. Um, and and it, you really just kind of cut down to it. And that's something that I probably could use more of right now with my book coming out. It almost feels like everything matters. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. like oh, every podcast, every blog post, like every email to my email list or whatever, every podcast I do um, it feels like as fun it is, as it is, it also feels, I don't know, like kind of intimidating or overwhelming. And I've been working a lot to meditate and kind of navigate overwhelm. Is there something that you like to do or some sort of practice you have that helps you kind of m- manage overwhelm?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I love that you brought up meditating because meditating in such, I feel like is a um... I feel like meditating is a tricky word for a lot of us um, ambitious overachievers, right? <laughs> like it has this, this idea that like we're going to sit and we're going to meditate and it's going to transport us to this very like Zen garden, um, which I love. I love the idea of that. I'm like, please, can, you, can I figure out how to do that quickly? And uh, meditating for me has never quite worked that way. And I know everyone has their different styles and different ways that they do it. But for me, meditating is is re-looking at that visualization. Um, So when I sit down and I look at that, I recognize like, it's, and I'll just, I'll break this down. I literally did this this morning. Like I did this this morning when I was thinking about my business and I have a couple courses launching, right? I'm, I'm doing a coaching certification course and I have this other course called Podcast with Soul. And, um, and I have a bunch of really big podcasts coming out in the next couple weeks with these people with huge platforms. And I'm like, okay, what am I going to have ready for them on my website? And I have this list of like a thousand things to do to change my website, to, to fix these, these links to make sure I'm guiding everyone that's going there to a place that's really helpful and relevant for them. And then I took a step back and I thought about my 3-year vision, right? And I was like, what's the real goal here? Like, what what's the dream? Is the dream that you have hundreds of people, hundreds of thousands of people coming to your site, and they're all joining this one course? Or um, like, what's, what is your ultimate dream? And it's funny, because in my own personal visualization right now, <laughs> in three years, I'm in a camper van. <laughs> I'm in New Zealand. And I've got my two little girls, and my husband and I, and we're driving around New Zealand. And I have this whole vision of what would be the dream, right? Like, And I'm coaching people um, a couple hours a day, um, and then I'm having adventures with the girls. And there is like one course that uh, that really can clearly take people down this path of me still coaching them. And also them getting a ton of information from the course and from these products that I've created that people love. And the other course takes way more heavy lifting of me handholding. And so it was very clear to me in that moment that like you need to stop prioritizing both of these things. You need to prioritize one and then you can do the other one later if you have time. But if you really think about where you want to be, Kelsey, in three years, there is a clear answer of what you need to prioritize prioritize. And so for me, that's just like a process of simplifying and allowing myself to not say no to something, but to deprioritize it so that I can really get to that place that I want to be in three years. So when I meditate, I'm literally meditating on the vision. Because every time I look at my three-year vision, my three-year manifesto, I'm, I'm, I'm living that life. I'm sitting in that camper van. I am having that time with my kids. And that for me makes it so much more clear what I need to focus on, um, you know, in that day, in that week, in that month. And then all of a sudden, like chaos starts to to feel, you know, you get a little relief from that chaos because you almost have like a coach, like someone there saying, don't prioritize that. Like that, put a pin in that till next month, revisit it. And if you really want to do it, you can revisit it next month. I'm curious about mentors because you're talking about hiring a coach and stuff like
2: that. Um, what I know there's different types, and as it kind of relates to overwhelm or getting organized, can you tell everybody listening like how do you choose which
1: one is which for you? Yeah, for sure. So. Mentors, I feel like, is kind of also a big scary word, and and asking someone to be your mentor or finding a mentor kind of finds like it kind of feels like you need to find the one perfect person. Um, and so, I have approached this in two ways that have been a significant game changer for me and my ability to make really good decisions, and also develop relationships with people that are these long term um, friendships, really that, that which is ultimately what I want when it comes to a mentor. So, um, the first piece of advice I would give people is to think about people as mini mentors. Um, You want to think about different areas of your life where you are trying to grow in, right? And that may be something professionally, that may be something personally. Like, there are times where I look at other couples and I look at the way that these two, you know, that these two laugh at each other or this husband and wife like giggle and have fun, but also are super supportive. Supportive of each other and they have this lightheartedness. And and I look at the way, the kindness and the way that they speak to each other. And all of a sudden, that couple or that, that woman in that relationship, like that person becomes my mini mentor in understanding and really connecting with her more on her relationship and how she stays in that mindset, how she speaks so kindly and wonderfully. And I make it a note, like I make a note and I create time in my calendar to spend spend more time with that person. Like, I know that that is like a mini mentor that I want to have in my life. Um, I've also done this with like working out and like running, right? Like, or um, when I was first trying to learn how to podcast, you know, or I was first trying to learn how to create my online business, there were these mini mentors in different areas um, of the online business world or like the podcasting world or different like specific It's almost like they have like a specialty. There's one thing you really see that you acknowledge that they're good at. and that becomes, in your own brain, a mini-mentor. You don't have to call them that, but you do have to raise your hand and, and acknowledge it because you have to carve out time on your calendar to go and and spend time with that person, whether it's virtually, whether it's over email, whether it's signing up for their course. Like in the very beginning when I was trying to learn how to write, like I found a writer that I really loved. And I showed up for her courses, and I you know watched her videos online, and she became my mini-mentor so much to the to the point where when I went to one of her courses, you know, I had brought her a bottle of wine afterwards and said like, Hey, I want to say thank you. You've been such a significant influence on me. And, you know, we ended up going out to dinner the next day. And now she's one of my dear friends. And that was always a dream of mine, right? Like this person that I admired that I just watched from a distance and kind of followed as a mini mentor to help me become a better writer became a significant friend of mine. So I would say think of it as many mentors and then the other piece to that and and this is a tricky one but the other piece to that is I think that sometimes when we look at mentors we tend to only think about work mentors and we don't think about life mentors and usually the people that end up becoming our friends that they become these significant guiding lights are not only people that have one specific skill set but they are also like a foundational human that we admire right there's something about what they do and how How they do it that we are drawn to. So, this person that was a writer that I was drawn to, it was not just that she was a great writer and then that she was also kind of a jerk, you know, it was that she was a great writer and she was writing about beautiful, inspiring things and her point of view on life really lit me up you know like when I was had this running mentor this person basically was just a friend that I said hey can will you run with me will you hold me accountable um, it wasn't just that she was good at running it was she was good at running but she also was just a really wonderful human and I knew if I spent more time around her that that would rub off so when you're looking for a mentor you want to look at someone that really is not just a work mentor but they're a life that they're they're fundamentally someone that you know if you spent more time around you would be a better human.
2: Mm, I love this. And I also know that we can get mentors, we can visualize, but ultimately the juice is in the action, you know, the inspired action. So what would you say for anybody listening right now that maybe they're doing that? They they visualize, maybe after this podcast episode, they've grabbed their journal so that after they visualize, they write things down. Um you know, they think about who could mentor them. Um, and then they're kind of like, oh, I feel so stuck taking action. What do you do when you get into that state?
1: Yeah, oh, I love that Um, because I feel like that happens to me every day. <laughs> so I have to, like, my natural go-to is just not to be actionable. I'm a total introvert. Like, like I said, I'm kind of type B. If I could just chill in my PJs in my bed all day, like, I would be such a happy camper. So this idea of being, like, really actionable and just getting up and doing it, like, it's just, it goes against kind of like how I was, how I came out of the womb, right? So yeah. I have to, like, create a system for myself in order to be more actionable. Actionable. And so, I have two things that I always do when I can. When I notice myself not taking action, I create myself a a mindset, a mindset that's going to help me with this one specific topic, whatever it is I'm trying to take action on. And I create myself a benchmark, and and I'll explain what I mean by those two things. So, like when I was uh, I first. Starting my podcast, which was very terrifying for me, because, like I said, I'm an introvert. This idea of starting a podcast was was terrifying. Um, I knew that the payoff could be huge, right? Like it would be this this wonderful content I could put out in the world. It could be content I shared with my little girl and daughter. She could see what mom was like, you know, in the year 2020. Um, it could be something that could significantly connect me and build relationships with my um, my potential customers and clients. Clients, like it could speed up my sales cycle because once they heard me, they could binge listen and then they would come to me. So there's all these reasons I knew in theory it was a good idea. But for me, my gut, just I, I just felt very uncomfortable doing it. And I couldn't tell, is that my intuition saying that that this is not the right thing? Or is that just my fear? So I told myself, well... You're not, don't jump off the cliff. Like, don't commit to a podcast for the rest of your life. That's, that feels a little bit like too much, right? Why don't you create yourself a benchmark um, of trying to do a certain amount of podcasts, like almost like a series, like a podcast series? Say you just do 10 podcast episodes. You'll test it out. You'll see if you like it. You'll do 10 episodes that you know are helpful in some sort of way. And then you'll reevaluate is that something that you like to do? or not. And so I created this this idea, this benchmark for myself of 10 podcast episodes. And then I created my mindset around that. And my mindset for me, and this will be different for everybody, but my mindset was what you have to say right now is valuable enough. Like, I always have this idea that I need to go and like research like 700 other things before I can put down an outline of a podcast that's helpful. And what I realized over many, many, many coaching calls is when I just show up and I just share my thoughts and uh, my experience and who I am and what I've gone through, that alone is incredibly valuable for people. So I had to remind myself, like, you are valuable just as you you are like you yes. just need, you know, like you just need to show up. Um, so that was my mindset. My benchmark was ten podcast episodes, and then I told myself that's it. You just create yourself a series of podcast episodes, and then you'll know. And so it was a way to kind of trick myself into testing something out, um, and. And be actionable about it, um, and I wouldn't even say trick myself. It was just a way to get myself out of this idea of thought, you know, this this paralysis, and into a place of action. And so, and I did it. And if this is what happens every single time we do it, I can almost guarantee you, I did like two podcast episodes, and I knew instantly, oh my gosh, this is it. Like I love podcasting. It feels easy. It feels fun. It doesn't have to be perfect, and it's still really helpful. Um, and I you know, I mean, now we, I have hundreds of thousands of downloads, like we've been ranked and it's helped my business in so many ways. And that was never the goal going into it. The goal going into it was to test it, you know, do 10 podcast episodes, test it, see if you like it, see if it feels right. And, and then go off that hit, that kind of intuition, then you will know, because you went to the place of action, whether this is right or not. So, If you're thinking about this, you're hearing this right now, and you're like, Oh, like, I would love to test out a career, right? I would love to test out a different job. I would love to test out, I don't know, an Italian class, right? Like, uh-huh. find, find your benchmark. Like what is your, what is your benchmark? How can you test this out in a really low risk way? Like maybe you tell yourself, I will show up for three Italian classes. Like that's it. Like i am going am commit to three, you know, and then I'll know whether I actually like this or not, you know, or maybe if you're, you know, searching for another job, you tell yourself, I'm going to commit to finding three people on LinkedIn with that job and have three coffee dates. That's it. Like nothing else. Like that's all I can do. But if you give yourself that little benchmark, it almost makes us a little project. It makes it doable. It's not this huge, huge, huge end all be all thing anymore. And then remind yourself whatever that mindset is that you need to get over that hump, you are valuable just as you are, you know, what, whatever it is, you are disciplined enough to achieve your goals, um, whatever, whatever that mindset piece is for you, create yourself a mantra that you just hang on to for those three classes, or for those three coffee dates, or for me, it was those 10 podcast episodes, create yourself just a mantra for that small project for that small benchmark and then allow that to give you, be a catapult you know
2: yeah i love this and i think it gets so slippery when it comes to saying no versus yes to things and i think a lot of this conversation is going to be so helpful for people um i know you mentioned you have your courses and stuff like that i know i'm a bit going to be on the whiskey and work podcast um where do you prefer that people come and find you if they want to keep learning from you
1: yeah. Well, thank you so much for facilitating this conversation. I think it's so important. And um, and I love your community. I feel like there's a lot of like-minded sharedness there. So um, thanks for letting me be a part of this. And yeah, if anyone wants to come over and check out anything we're doing, you can come to the site. It's KelseyMurphy.com. And uh, I have a whole kind of like how to plan your business uh, freebie on there that talks about this three-year manifesto that really can be used for life and like career planning And life planning as as you can tell when i'm visualizing there's business going on but it's really like what do i want my life to look like so um you can come to the site and check that out or um come over to the whiskey and work podcast i mean you will get to hear ashley and i talk a lot about a little bit more just about life and like motivation and goals and all that kind of stuff on the podcast
2: woohoo thanks again
0: Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the U-Turn podcast. Big shout out with so much gratitude to our sponsor, SaneBox. If email has become a soul-crushing distraction for you, then you need SaneBox. Their artificial intelligence easily syncs with your email and monitors your inbox, putting spammy emails you don't want into a separate folder beneath your inbox and sent folder. And it spares you from hours of endless time deleting emails that you never really wanted or should have gotten. This has been such a game changer for my productivity. And if you know just how email folders work, then you pretty much know how SaneBox works find an email in the wrong folder you can just move it there's really nothing to learn nothing to install Sanebox works directly with every single email server or service that has ever been created head on over to www.sanebox.com slash u-turn that's s-a-n-e-b-o-x.com slash y-o-u-t-u-r-n to access 14 days of Sainbox for free as well as a $25 credit for a serious discount on their super affordable membership. In the meantime, if you heard about any resource you're interested in from one of our guests, you can find it listed in our show notes on the podcast tab of my website, AshleyStall.com. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com. Thanks again for listening, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.